Bass Edge Radio. Commence broadcast in three, two, one. You're listening to The Edge. Everything bass fishing coming to you worldwide from Megaware Keel Guard Studios. Welcome to the new edition of Bass Edge Radio. That's right. It's April 1. This is no April Fool's, Aaron. We have got a classic episode. Super stoked to have a couple of the guys that made headlines at the 2019 Bassmaster Classic. Well, you know, speaking of classic and making headlines, that certainly goes to our partners, long-term partners of Megaware Keelguard. Again, protecting your boat from grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete boat ramps. Be sure to visit them at keelguard.com for the entire lineup of their Megaware products. Aaron, we've never really tackled the show like this, so for all the listeners out there, we've got a new kind of gig going just for this one episode, episode 301. You thought episode Episode 300 was breaking. Now we've got 301 right now. We're breaking some new ground right here. Yeah, it might be a little cumbersome, but hey, we're used to that. We love change sometimes. <laughs> right. we'll, we'll say that. But hey, I do want to pick up where we left off in the last episode because if you remember, I want to give you some kudos, right? When right. We're talking about this Bass Edge mojo that's been going on. You right. probably don't even realize this. But you picked out of the top three, you had two in there of your three picks for the Bassmaster nice. Classic. Nice. Well, I feel like it wasn't too tough a pick. I'm sure if you go to the uh, fantasy board and you look for Ott Defoe, Jacob Wheeler, they were probably in the top five of most everybody's picks. For as sure, the, for uh, sure. Mark Daniels Jr. was up there as well. Yeah, but, he was. Uh, he did great. Yep. You know, Wesley Strader had a tough first day, but he kind of rebounded a little bit as the tournament went on but i thought that you know he was going to be right in there contending for the title but uh he still had a good tournament nobody had a better tournament than Ott Defoe. No, for sure. And I'm chomping at the bits to kind of pick his brain and, and just the mental and the decision making, you know, of how he put that together. Just really excited to kind of get the interview started. You got it. Well, just so that everybody knows how this is going to break down, we are going to have Ott Defoe on the show today. And we are also going to have the guy that caught the biggest bag at the Classic, made a run day to Chris Zaldane. So listen up closely. We're going to have Ott on the line. We're going to have Chris later. Later in the show, make sure you stay tuned. Probably going to be a little longer than most of our Bass Edge podcasts, but this one's going to be well worth the wait. We're going to go to the protecttheharvest.com tackle tip. So y'all listen up. We're going to get Ott Defoe on the line. When we return, we're going to talk to the 2019 Bassmaster Classic Champion. Today's ProtectTheHarvest.com tackle tip with Bass Pro Tour angler Keith Pochet. Hey guys, Abu Garcia has a lot of different gear ratio reels from the lowest gear ratios to five and one. You know, you're throwing a crankbait, deep diving, you really need that low gear ratio to get it down there. Do what that crankbait needs. I typically flip with a uh, you know, seven to one or eight to one, depending on the type of stuff I'm flipping, but that's kind of my go-to gear ratio. But you know, I don't know if you guys have seen the new Abu Garcia Rocket, the 10 to 1 gear ratio, absolutely amazing. That's also a good reel to flip with, frog with, you know, any kind of top water. The retrieve is so fast. I mean, and it's got the power, the cranking power as well. So if I'm flipping a mat, getting back in, in and out, just being able to cover a lot of water. And when I hook that fish, you know, having that cranking power also to get that fish out is real, real important. But, you know, as far as throwing a top water, you know, frog, I'm making long casts and, you know, I'm fishing just a small little five foot stretch. So, you know, being able to make that cast Fish it, get it back in to get another cast out is real, real crucial. Timing fish it. So the 10 to 1 gear ratio is a game changer, in my opinion. I'm real excited about it. I'm happy to be using it, and I guarantee you it's helping my fishing. So awesome stuff from Abu Garcia. You know, they got a lot of great lines from, you know, low gear ratio to the top. They got a reel for every application. Thanks, Keith. That's a great tip from your folks sponsoring us. ProtectTheHarvest.com. 
First by land and now by sea. For years, Lucas Oil has been a staple in high-performance vehicles on both the road and track. Now, from the makers of Lucas Oil comes Lucas Marine products, specifically engineered for marine applications. Protect and lubricate your marine inboard, outboard, or high-performance boat with Lucas Marine Engine Oil or Lucas Synthetic-Based Oil. Learn more about the complete line of Lucas Oil and marine products. Visit lucasoil.com. Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Get pro-level performance with the Nitro Z18, the official boat of Major League Fishing. The Z18, with its nimble handling and versatility, sports many of the features in the larger boats in the line, like a Guardian Livewell, a heavily insulated cooler, dual 8-foot rod storage, and our smooth and fast NVT hull. Every Nitro boat is laid out to do one thing very well, catch fish. Enormous front decks up to 45 square feet on the Z21 allow maximum mobility when battling unruly bass and feature low-profile gunnels for ease of skipping, pitching, flipping, or landing fish. Nitro Performance Bass Boats, pure fishing machines. This Bassmaster Classic was one for the ages. So many storylines, and we're going to hear from an angler that made the headlines and created it. First, kicking things off, awesome to have on the podcast, 2019 Bassmaster Classic champion, Ott Defoe. Thanks for taking time to be on the show, Ott. You bet, Kurt. Thank you for having me, and uh, yeah, man, pretty excited. Well, Ott, we're excited to have you on the show, obviously, but uh, you've been dominating in your home geographic region over the last uh, three to five years on the tours. How does an angler overcome the thoughts that, that really creep into the strategies that can lead a pro angler from fishing memories rather than fishing present conditions? You know, that that's something that you deal with a lot when you're fishing at home. In interviews ahead of time, you always hear, is this going to be a home lake deal where it works as, as an advantage, or are you going to you know be a victim of the home lake curse and you know i was asked that several times before this event just like a lot of the others and i'm gonna say it honestly for me it was trial and error because i fished uh several events at home before i ever did any good that a lot of people don't may not remember them but um but early in my career when i was fishing flw i fished three flws that were on fort loud and i only got a check in one of them fished a couple paa tournaments one on fort loud and one on Cherokee that I did terrible in, finally did decent in one on Douglas. So I, I had a lot of experience at not doing well in it before <laughs> I did experience at, at being able to put it together. And, and I truly believe that that's why, you know, here the last ones that have been good have been successful. It was kind of a product of so many of those being bad where I did just strictly try to fish history. I wouldn't practice at all on either patterns or areas that I expected to be good. And you know how fishing is, man. Sometimes you just have this idea that you just know they're going to be here. They are every year this time of year. Right. But some years they just aren't. And uh, that was certainly what I did in this classic was uh, I didn't fish my very some of my very best stuff, but I did practice on just a little bit of it, just enough to know, hey, this is working, you know, but I spent a lot of time in practice just trying to get a pattern established as to what those fish were doing. Uh, you talk a little bit about the experience that you had previously in your career, You know, not only on your home geographic waters the last several years, but really, it seems like over the last five years, even before you took the win in the elite event in Wisconsin a couple years ago, you're consistently mm-hmm. fishing at a superior level than you know earlier. And of course, you know, as we all fish, we think, okay, well, we're going to get better and better and better as it goes along. But that's not always the case can you dial into where you felt like maybe you had this turn in your career where you see or feel something that makes Adifo the angler who's able to consistently perform at such a high level for me a little bit of a Kurt was when I came to the elite series my years on FLW were solid I made the Forcewood Cup every year but I was never in the top 10 in points or anything like that I mean, those were certainly major major learning years for me you know I mean I was I was pretty early in my traveling you know professional traveling career right so i was learning a lot i had a lot to learn you know but that i think that's why those years were never just excellent because i would have a, a stinker or two a year because i just didn't know any better and then when I, when I jumped to the elite series i'd already been out there you know traveling five or six years and had a pretty good grasp and and there's no better motivator than having to <laughs> right, right, right. Well, because i mean when i when i first joined the elite series i had very very minimal sponsors now i had doubled my expenditures and 
when Jenny and I we decided to take that leap of faith, it was the kind of deal I have to get a check in the first six events to be able to do this, and right. I did. I, I missed one in the seventh, but got one again in the eighth. You know, and, and I look at that as as just being God's timing and His plan for us there, but. I mean, fishing-wise, for me, my first couple of years on the leads were extremely strong, and I, I liked the fact that we had less practice, mm-hmm. and it kind of made you fish more by the seat of your pants. You couldn't, you weren't out there four or five days on the on the waters ahead of time, and really getting a pattern just dialed completely in. It's more about this man. I'm more to try to understand the, this water, get a few bites, and hopefully have enough places to to run throughout the tournament. And then I, I'm going to say that honestly, when I started fishing the major league fishing selects i have watched myself and those events really become a better angler whether that's at breaking down water or making the most out of an area that you find that's got fish in it both parts of that i feel like that major league fishing format truly made me a better angler that's a great perspective let's jump back to the classic real quick as as it began to unfold your strategy executed to near perfection on day one uh, you got the all-important kicker bite you knew that was going to be a key to setting up a potential win for you in the event day two settles you moved down the leaderboard was basically inevitable you know you had a tougher day on day two did you feel the areas and the patterns that you were fishing were changing or you just simply didn't come across your areas in let's say the right timing and how was the overall concern of how you would move into day three as you're driving back running this through your mind headed to the weigh-in center yeah day one was absolutely perfect uh, and you look at it on paper and you're like man he must have just smashed them all day today it really wasn't that way though i had five quality bites i landed all five of them i had four that were in the three to almost four pound range and then that six pound kicker that is a you know a really big fish on on this system there are some seven pounders called occasionally but a six pounder is is a big one so you know it was like i got to weigh in a spare fish by having a six pounder in the bag so yeah day one absolutely it went perfect day two started off really good caught a quality fish early caught a couple more keepers had those by by 10 o'clock and then i do attribute it to timing you know those places that i fished the first day were that were good to me to take a place that uh is like my second or third stop of the morning I didn't get bit there, not a bite, and it's a place right. that I, I always do well. I, I mean, it's a great, great place for me this time of year. I fish around, ended up beating around. I finished off my lemon uh, with that first lemon. I had a had the six pounder and I had a three pound smallmouth. Pull back up on this point, like one o'clock, that I had already fished that morning without a bite. Pull back up there at one o'clock, catch a keeper smallmouth, a couple of fish that didn't help, and another keeper smallmouth. So timing was obviously a very big factor and i think that's more than what it was than anything on the second day i did see a little a little bit more boat traffic in the area i was fishing i don't okay. know if I, my timing was so good the first day that i just never ran into them or right, right, right. you know i just wasn't around them much but uh yeah the timing was definitely my i feel like and and i do think the conditions haven't changed a little bit we had a strong south wind the first day had a north wind on the second day most of the stuff i like to fish out there catches the south wind better than it does the north so i attribute that to a little bit too but i I finally just pulled the plug went through plans a b c and d and went to e which is just go to the back of uh, turkey creek and just go try to grab some keepers in the boat it's an area that's always got a lot of fish in it and uh, you know a lot you can catch a decent fish back there but you know it was really just a place to try to go catch a few keepers and, and stay in it so when you're driving back to the weigh-in center you know you're not going to you know obviously stay in the lead probably you don't know what everybody else has but uh as you're going through the process before you know you get to the weigh-in center are you thinking man i'm going to be okay or are you thinking gosh I mean, mentally, it's got to it's got to get yeah. into you a little bit, right? It absolutely did because I had such a big first day. It's all a six pounder. It's like, I mean, day one went so well, and then here I've really just stubbed my toe majorly. I mean, I, right. I, it right. was like I knew I hadn't gave the tournament completely away, especially once we got back and kind of saw what the weights were were going to be. I knew I hadn't given it away, but I felt like I had made it much harder on myself than necessary because with that big first day, even if I'd have had. 15 pounds I'd still be in the lead not a huge cushion but at least I'd still be in the lead sure and um, you know I mean I could just go out the next day maintain a little bit and it would be mine at that point oh, so that right. was, <laughs> yeah I, I was definitely frustrated you know didn't understand why it was such a hard day to uh, overcome well I, one thing that we do get 
asked often on Bass Edge Radio is color selection. And does it really, or I should say, how much does it matter in dirty water situations? Can you comment on that briefly? Yeah, for me, the primary bait I fished was a liquid crank bait. It's made by Storm called Narashi Vibe. The factory color on that bait, they've got some really good colors. They've got a color called Rusty Crawl. I've got another one that's a red crawl. But when I'm pre-spawn, I like a bait that's got a lot of red and orange in it. And the water was dirty. I mean, you could see in practice it's real dirty. You could see eight or ten inches. It cleared up some in the tournament. You could probably see 12, 14 inches, something like that. But for my crawfish color, especially on lipless, uh, any kind of crankbait in the spring, I like a lot of orange, and I like a fair amount of red, and I like some black on the back. And it, they really don't have one of those yet with Storm, so I took that rusty crawl one and took some Sharpies, and, and I do that a lot. I mean, I carry that bag of Sharpies in the boat all the time, and we'll touch baits up here and there. But, yeah, I mean, I, I doctored that bait up and made it a little brighter than what it was. And it, if nothing else, it gave me a lot of confidence in that bait. You know, I felt like I made it just about exactly like I would want to. So that was something that I do pretty often, and I encourage people to do that because if it gives you more confidence as an angler, you're going to fish the bait more effectively, and that's probably going to make a bigger difference than what the color is, but if altering that color a little bit is going to give you that confidence in the bait, I think it's worth the few minutes it takes to do that. I was going to mention that real quick. You probably spent more time on the water than 95% of the listeners of Bass Edge Radio. So (laughs) in your experiences, do you see that that, I mean, obviously it changes your mental focus a little bit and and gives you some more confidence, right, that that you mentioned. Do you actually see in your experiences that, you know, well, I'm going to catch two or three more bites than somebody else because i have that color not not just the mental aspect of it but the real i think the fish can see that bait better kind of deal right yeah i I do i I truly believe that and and you know whether it's adding the chartreuse stripe to a jerk bait that's you know just a got a straight gray back or right whatever it may be you know i mean it yeah the majority of the fish out there you know if you were going if you caught 10 six or seven of them may have baited anyway but those other three or four having that little bit of extra flash may have been what got them to bite or it could be just what got that fish to really eat the bait well instead of just slapping at it and just kind of getting you know maybe getting the back hook or something i think that that might be a big difference maker a lot of times as well those fish may react to it regardless of what color it was but they may eat it well if it looks perfect right in my fishing experiences i have seen color be the ultimate difference maker it doesn't happen very often but when it does, it's light out. <laughs> like yeah, they won't get a bite unless they're using, you know, X, Y, Z color. And it's an amazing deal. This creature we're fishing for is a wild dude. <laughs> yeah. One of, the, one of the times I saw color affect my catch ratio greatest was uh, down at Toledo Band a few years ago in the Elite Series. And I was catching on a frog. And uh, there was a shad spawn going on in the morning. And there was like a fathead mina spawn taking place up in the day or something. And okay. I started off with a frog that had a terminator frog that had an orange mouth white belly and a black back I man looks just like a shed and first thing in the morning the light was low it worked well but then up in the day once the sun got high man that smoked that thing and, and not get it i mean just cartwheel over it and nothing so i switched to a i had one that was straight clear with like black and white legs and they would come up and pull the legs down on me if they wouldn't <laughs> wouldn't eat the frogs and really didn't didn't get bounce as good so then i'll switch to one that was basically solid translucent white ghost pearl shad is the name of that color and i went to catching about 80 percent of them you know so it was it was interesting to go through you know the third color that i that i landed on was the one that was really really right you know but that was one time where i certainly saw color make a huge difference and that was on top water i mean where they all right right but it definitely made a huge difference Good stuff. Uh, hang tight. We're going to take a quick pause. Let's power pull down Bass Edge Radio. We'll return in a minute. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow water boat positioning tool. Swift. Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent. Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong currents or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole. Swift. Silent. Secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. 
Bass Edge brought to you in part by Lawrence Electronics returns with the 2019 Bassmaster Classic Champion Ot Defo in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. That's right, Lucas Oil high performance marine products for oil that surpasses all manufacturers' requirements. Be sure to visit the BassEdge.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Ot, in your press conference, you said you needed to be humbled on day two, and ultimately the poor performance day kind of led you to reevaluate your strategies, the timing that we mentioned, you know, before the break, and it was one of the pathways you felt like to claiming the classic crown. You know, all of us, weekend anglers, kayakers, tour professionals, we all have rough events. We all have rough days. Your mental state to rebound to improve your day three catch and your eventual success. We talked a little bit about it before, really want to dive in a little bit deeper. You know, you're laying in bed that night. You kind of know what's happened. You know where you're sitting. You had a rough day. Your timing was off. How do you reset Ot Defoe in the biggest event that's taken place probably in your career at this moment and where you stand? Yeah, for me, it, it was. Looking back, it's very easy to say, man, I'm certainly thankful for that tough day. At the time, I was very upset by it. But I, I can look back just as soon as the final day started, honestly, and I was very thankful. But the biggest thing at the end of it, even though I was frustrated, even, even though I was upset that I had a tough day, you know, I, I knew it still didn't take me out of the tournament. I was only a couple right. of pounds back. I'm in fourth place. And I mean, now they had the biggest bag of the tournament. So obviously he's going to have some people following him. Want to see what he does. Well, he right, did. Right. Mark and, and Wheeler had had two really solid days, one and two. So he, they're going to have a lot of boats following them. Right. I didn't have very many, you know, and, and that was a thing that once I settled into that and I, and when I woke up Sunday morning, Jenny will always send me a text. I mean, I'm staying at home and, you know, we're sharing a bed, but she'll always send me a text. That way it's on my phone in the morning when I wake up and look at it. And she just told me the peace that she had had about this event and she he was like, I don't know that it's peace that you're going to win, but it's just peace that it's going to be what it's supposed to be. Wow. And, and that was exactly what I needed to hear. I mean, because I needed to have that just calm selectedness to be able to go out, just go fishing. And I knew, you know, so after the first day, my, it was an easy decision that I was going to change sections of the lake. Uh, right. I really didn't have major plans on changing how I fished just yet, but I had plans on changing sections of the lake. I'd been kind of locked myself in midsection. That's where my practice was best, and, you know, that's where I wanted to spend most of my tournament, and, and it worked well. The first day, for sure, and, you know, other guys did well in that section. That's where Mark was fishing, and a few other guys fished in that section some, but after the second day when I was up there waiting in the boat yard to go through the weigh-in. I ran into Keith Pochet and he'd mentioned he'd had a tough tournament and I was walking towards the port of John to go relieve myself and uh, he's standing there, you know, it had a, had a tough tournament, had a tough day and I said, man, I can't believe all these fish I lost. And he told me about this dock that it had some bites on that day and lost a four-pounder and caught a three-pounder and some other decent fish and it was down on the bottom section of the lake which is where I planned on fishing the next right. day. So, well, right. while I'm down there, I'll, I'll give that place five or ten minutes and it's about 9.30 or so. I already had a couple of small keepers in the boat, but I was right by that dock. And I was like, well, I'll leave over here and give it a couple of throws and see what happens. And ended up catching a two and a quarter pounder pretty quick. And then my next one was a four and a half. Definitely clued me into there was some really good fish living on that wall and, you know, buckled down and finished my limit off and then culled a couple times with some really nice fish there. That's pretty interesting. I want you to elaborate on that just quickly. You know, ironically, we had Poche on the episode before yours and, and had a chance to talk to him. So you have a conversation and surely you don't immediately say to yourself, well, I'm going to abandon all I've done and uh, <laughs> thought of to get to the top five and go fish a dock. You know, how, how yeah. did the thought process of the day unfold and what was your past experience with that marina? For me, my thought process was I was going to run these areas that I know, uh, you know, to start with. Right. That was what I right. did. Then my second stop was where I caught a couple keepers, lost one. I bounced around. And, I, and most of these places are not big. They don't take very long to fish these places where I caught them the first day, caught some fish the second day. The kind of place I started on the first day. They're shallow water. They're offshore. But it's kind of a one-cast deal where the fish are most times. So it's not like it takes you 20 or 30 minutes to fish the stop. So you can fish four or five in 20 minutes, you know, with that if you're not getting bit. But so I'd bounce five or six seven areas had those couple that i call off in one place and uh i actually went over and fished around the dam a little bit fished around the end of the wing wall and the marina is right beside it so it's not sure, like it was sure. way out of my way or anything like that and when he told me about that marina and the fact they've gotten bit on it number one i've caught fish off marinas this time of year on this system sometimes it can be a really really good way to fish right i mean there have been a lot of big tournaments won this time of year fishing marinas um for one so you know that immediately piqued my interest to 
know that I know the potential already on the right. system for those. And then that particular marina, I've done well there in the summer and the fall. And on that exact set of slips that he was talking about, those fish, I've seen them at times. There'd be just massive schools under there. So I knew the potential of that style of fishing, period, on this right. system. And then I knew the potential of exactly the dock that he was referring to. Right, so, right. you know, it, it was kind of like, well, it definitely is worth five or ten minutes to go over exactly, there. Exactly, exactly. And just keep it honest, you know. So I'm going to say that there's no way I would have stopped there had he not mentioned it. But when he did, it was like, well, yeah, I could see that. So, yeah, you know, yeah. It, it was definitely piqued my interest enough to, to make sure that I was going to do it while I was down there. And I, I think it's important to note for all the listeners and, and people that watch the classic and, and kind of see how some of these things evolve, you know, or, or just mm-hmm. kind of manifest. As you had mentioned on stage, it was it was divine intervention, right? Odd. And yeah. uh, it's not like you run down there and just start swinging at this dock. You know, that's not that's the plan right. for the day. You know, it's yeah. OK. Well, yeah. you know, I'll hit that real quick. And obviously your experience played into that. Like, hey, you know, I, I've seen these types of conditions play. So I'll swing by. And as soon as you get a bite, it's like, OK, well, I'm going to make 10 or 15 more casts here. Right. I yeah. mean, it's yeah, uh, exactly. it's pretty common and it, stuff. Yeah. And it was definitely a factor of the conditions as well as to why that worked and what the other guys and what I had been doing wasn't because we had zero wind on Sunday. I mean, there was nothing, not hardly a ripple. And that makes that other stuff after having had wind for a couple of days, when you get that first really slick, truly post-frontal high sky day, right. that makes that other kind of stuff just really, really hard. But you can a lot of times still get better around the dock. You're still fishing fish that are in the shade that have got some cover around um, instead of just kind of roaming around on those little gravel points and stuff. So it certainly all worked together to make that difference. It was awesome to see. I'm going to kind of switch gears a little bit here. The common belief for the past many, many years, the Bass Platform as Classic Champs worth a million bucks, Mm -hmm. right? We kind of all hear that. And moving into the rest of 19, essentially, you know, you're not affiliated with Bassmaster and fishing their tournament competitions this year. Mm -hmm. Have you thought about and kind of dissected a business platform of how you're going to bridge the gap to take advantage of this awesome win that you've had and moving on to your chosen career? path at this point for me i mean it's just making sure that i'm available you know i mean as much as i physically can right. you know i mean i, I don't want to take you take time away from my family or, or anything else but i mean if there's stuff i can possibly do to capitalize you know on this opportunity that's what i want to do you, uh, you know i mean that, yeah because honestly may never come around for me again you know i mean it's not just the fact that if i was going to be fishing a bunch more classics i could see and you know felt like i'd have an opportunity to win it you know maybe i'll get to come back and defend my title next year i, I don't know i've not heard for sure on that yet but outside of that you know i don't see me fishing another classic so i'm not in the opens or obviously the elites to have a chance to, to qualify for the next one but we've always heard that that you know that's what it's worth but it's I just want to make sure that I'm doing everything for my current sponsors, you know, to make sure that they get to capitalize on this. And that's what I've seen and, and I'm learning with this. And I, and I knew it wasn't, but, you know, it's not just a win for myself and my family. It's a win for every single partner that I have. You got and, you. An opportunity yes. to showcase how their products help me win in this huge event. So, you know, that's what I, I want to make sure that they're going to get out of it, what they expect, and, you know, that I'm doing my part for them. The coolest thing is if it was the last classic, the next classic, who cares what it was? You're always the 2019 Bassmaster Classic. <laughs> You'll always have that title and always have that trophy. That's that's so awesome. Uh, we've got a quick question. I want you to tackle this okay. real quick for Benjamin Hunter. This is our listener question brought to us by Nitro Performance Bass Boats. Benjamin asks, I've been fishing my whole life. I grew up in Minnesota, recently moved to Florida for obvious reasons. Uh, his question <laughs> is, when is it too late to follow your dream of professional bass fisherman? He's 41 years old. He still has the passion and drive to fish for bass every day. Is a great question, and, and I look at some of the guys, you know, on the Elite Series and stuff that have come on, FLW or wherever, that are up in their age a little bit, you know, and I mean, if you've got the support of your family and you feel like it's something that God's leading you to do, I certainly encourage you to do it. The only thing you're going to ever regret is if you didn't take that chance, didn't try to do something like that that, that you've got to love for. And I don't feel like you've ever missed an opportunity. Look at, obviously, Rick Clones has been doing it forever, but look at how successful he still is at, at the age he is. So Yeah, that's know. amazing. That's great <laughs> right. stuff. That's yeah. life, lifetime yeah, sport. So. 
Lifetime sport. That's but, right. Uh, well, we, we really appreciate you answering that question. And, Benjamin, you cannot say very often that you have had your question answered by the 2019 Bassmaster Classic <laughs> champion. But, hey, we need one more thing from you, Benjamin, and that is sending yep. in and let us know that you heard your question answered by Aunt Defoe. And uh, please contact us through support at BassEdge.com or simply log on to BassEdge.com. Click the Claim Your Prize segment, and we will get a Bass Edge gift sent directly to your doorstep. Uh, thanks again for visiting us here at Bass Edge. You are going to be an amazing classic champ. Do you have any final thoughts for Bass Edge Nation? Man, just uh, I sure appreciate y'all having me on, and uh, we'll do it again soon. Ott, we appreciate you being here. Good luck the remainder of the 2019 season. Bass Edge Radio will return in a moment. I am professional angler Stetson Blaylock. This is Bassmaster Elite Series Pro Bill Lowen. This is FLW Ray Evac Champion Brian Schmidt. This is professional angler Joe Sancho. This is Skeeter Yamaha Pro Dave Matsu. Stay right here with Aaron and Kurt on Bass Edge Radio. know the importance of protecting your investments so why use anything else other than the original and toughest diy keel protector for your boat megaware keel guard grinding sand abrasive rocks and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology megaware keel guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour providing the longest lasting most dependable keel protection for your boat guaranteed for life developed specifically by boat builders offering the best keel protection in the industry also for megaware keel guard skeg guard flex step pro and pontoon guard so give your boat the performance edge put on the protection the pros pick megaware keel guard Kurt, just when you thought we were uh, getting ready to shut down, we're just getting warmed up. That's right, Aaron. I don't know if this is going to continue on, but this is a cool format. Really love what we're doing with this episode, specifically because it has to do with the World Championship of the Bassmaster Classic in the BASS organization. So pretty excited. Ott, what an interview. I love breaking this stuff down. And we are going to break down more with the next guest, as we mentioned before the show, Chris Zaldane coming up next hang on to your hats we're getting a double dose of the lucas oil angler spotlight coming up first by land and now by sea for years lucas oil has been a staple in high performance vehicles on both the road and track now from the makers of lucas oil comes lucas marine products specifically engineered for marine applications protect and lubricate your marine inboard outboard or high performance boat with lucas marine engine oil or lucas synthetic based oil learn more about the complete line of lucas oil and marine products visit lucasoil.com we are back for the second half of our marathon bass master classic edition of bass edge radio this BASS Elite Angler put a charge into the second day of the 2019 Classic, weighing in the heaviest bag of the event. Aaron and I are thrilled to have Chris Zaldane back on the mic here at Bass Edge Radio. Thanks for chilling with us today, Chris. Aaron, Kurt, glad to be here. Yeah, I weighed in that biggest sack on day two of the Classic, and I actually had a, a, another six-pounder late in the day, but uh, I accidentally released it, put it back in the lake. I could have had over 25 pounds, and I thought it was a catch-way-release format there for a little bit. <laughs> the same match. And, of course, that's an April Fool's joke. It is April 1st, so April <laughs> Fool's, 21-12 on the second day. Uh, just a phenomenal, phenomenal day to, 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 to put me in the hunt, you know, for the classic and, and the title, and uh, I couldn't be happier with my overall performance. Dude, dude, you got me on that joke. That <laughs> uh, like, Wait, I never heard about this. Yeah, yeah, about this. yeah. <laughs> uh, that, that that didn't make the uh, uh, the press, evidently. So, uh, but no. no, 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 that's a joke. Good stuff, good stuff. Well, Chris, you have um, certainly seen some highs throughout your career with BASS. Classic Day Two has to stand out for you as one of the most memorable. Before weighing that monster bag of bass on the classic stage. What thoughts ran through your mind? Oh, man, Aaron. Probably the biggest standout thought. This is really the reason why I do this. Like, I just love 
fishing. I let the guys know at Bass, going through practice of the Classic, I let the, the production team know, hey, look, I caught some giants in practice, okay? Throwing a swim bait, a variety of swim baits, and I sent pictures of Mark Zona and the production team and said, hey, look, dude, I, I could really catch them pretty good here. So they decided to put a live camera in my, my boat on day one, and unfortunately, I didn't do too much of the swim baiting because of a flip bite I had found on the official practice day, but I'll tell you what, you know, you could tell these guys and, and the audience and the crowd and the fans, hey, man, there's no pressure. I don't feel any pressure. This is my fourth classic, zero pressure. I guarantee you, even Kevin Van Dam, 20-something classic, still pressure, still nerves. Where I'm going with this is day one, I had a camera in my boat, live camera. I had spectators all over the place, lots and lots of pressure. Only weighed nine pounds the first day. Right. On day two, I guess, you know, I even kind of thought, you know, I'm out of this thing. Ott weighed in 20 the first day. He's going to walk away with this thing. So on day two, man, I didn't even have a GoPro in my boat. I forgot my GoPro in my truck. <laughs> I had no spectators. I had no live camera. I had a big marshal in my boat, Big Mike. I call him Big Mike. And I told him, hey, look, you know, if it happens today, it's going to happen in a big way because I'm throwing swim baits all day long. And guess what? No crowd, no live camera, no GoPro. I went out and I just had fun. That's why why I do this. I just like to have fun. I went out there in an eight-hour day, set out to the biggest five bass limit I could possibly catch, enjoy myself, and that's exactly what I did. It started out with like a three-and-a-half-pound smallmouth and a four-pound smallmouth and a four-pound largemouth, a four-and-a-half largemouth and a six-pound largemouth. It was just one of those days where I was firing on all cylinders, just hucking a swim bait around, and, and once I had it dialed to where they were on rock transitions, either from bluff to chunk rock, or mm -hmm. chunk rock to gravel transitions, I would call my shots, look at my hummingbird like master chip, and literally fish a 15-yard stretch of the main river, and there was a big one on every single transition I pulled up to. Just a special, special day that I enjoyed with my marshal. No doubt, man. Like you said, you, you love to fish. You have the passion for fishing. Yeah. When it all rolls together, man, you can walk away oh. with your head high. Oh, yeah. And, and you know yeah. what? I don't yep. care how I fished any day the rest yes. of my life. This yep. is what I look for, especially to jack that kind of bag on a um, classic day. They're in the classic. Huge crowd. Yeah. Yeah. Congratulations, why, man. That's awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it, Kurt and, and Aaron. And, you know, that's why we're tuned into this radio show. That's why we're talking about fishing. We just all love to do it. For something to happen like that during the biggest tournament in the world, I mean, it was just unreal. Unreal. No doubt. So let's break this down a little bit. There's some interesting equations that put the bag together, right? Mm -hmm. but, mm -hmm. but even more interesting is swim bait. Let's yeah. break down not just the bait itself, but swim bait fishing in general. You had some interesting conditions there at Lautel. You had dirty water. You had current. Yeah. You know, if you break down the fundamentals of swim bait fishing, I'm not sure any of those are primary ingredients yep. for swim yep. bait success. You're 100% correct, yep. Let's talk about that situation and why you feel like, you know, we, you talked a little bit about the structure and the cover that yep. the fish were associated with. Yep. How about the yep. conditions, the bait yeah. color, the yep. retrieve? How does that all come together for you? So I can just tell the crowd, hey, look, you know, I caught them all on a swim bait. And people automatically think, okay, swim bait, it's a, it's a larger than normal profile. It's larger than a chatterbait, larger than a spinnerbait and a square bill. So people just think, oh, bigger bait, bigger bass. But let me add some color to the, the swim bait fishing, particularly on the second day of the tournament. First of all, we were on the Tennessee River, and everyone knows the Tennessee River is full of shad, particularly the gizzard shad. And, you know, I posted a picture. I sent the picture to the production team. And, man, there were eight- and nine-inch gizzard shad cruising all over these banks, you know, just outside of the main current in those little eddies and pockets. So, one, imitating that gizzard shad. I, I absolutely love swim bait fishing. Grew up in Northern California, Clear Lake. You know, Clear Lake, everyone knows they catch big ones on swim baits there. But my favorite since I've been on tour over the last, you know, eight years and for about the last six years now, my favorite's been the Mega Bass Magdraft swim bait and man i have gone through so many of those i've won a lot of money on those in the past and i turned them on to other elite series anglers and they love them and the beauty of the mag draft swim bait is not only does it have a tail wiggle or tail wag to it 
it also has that just beautiful head wiggle to it. So it's almost like everyone knows a Senko. When it falls, it shimmies down. Right. And this bait, when you reel it in, it's got this nice shimmy to it, almost like a mini chatterbait shimmy. If you look at your line, you can see it moving back and forth. So there's two things in swimbait fishing I look for when I'm selecting the swimbait is balance and detail. Everyone knows Megabass has got the most realistic, detailed finishes on their baits. But balance, man, it's got to swim straight. It can't roll. And again, that head wiggle, it was the, is the absolute deal. And, and man, it, it really pulls fish from a long ways away. It's got a lot of drawing power. And when they get close to it, they see the eyeballs, the gills, the fins, and they absolutely smoke it. So on that second day of the Classic Way 2112, in my mind, if I present that bait in front of these big Tennessee River bass, they're going to bite it. It's pre-spawn, the fish are fat, they're feeding on gizzard shad. Okay, this particular day on day two, I really figured it out to a T, not only those rock transitions that I talked about, but... I went against the book of bass fishing, the rules of bass fishing, the bass fisherman's handbook, where whenever you're in a current situation, you always cast up current and work right. the bait down with the current. You know, the fish sit there and ambush prey that way naturally. Well, I went against the grain here, and I threw the swim bait down current and worked it up current. Okay. Like it was like a salmon swim, swimming up the current. And what that did was, again, I had it pinpointed to where they were on rock transitions, and with the boat positioned up current, I just swim that swim bait real slow the added current would kind of keep it in the strike zone longer and those fish were just coming up and pummeling it it was absolutely amazing and if i brought it down current it would just swim too fast the water was still cold water was still 56 57 degrees um so once i figured those kind of key ingredients out i i'm i mean not even joking you it was i think i'd made like 10 stops and caught a fish on all 10 stops within the second or third cast it was it was just magic pure magic wow that's off the hook. I mean, yeah. and, and since we're yeah. kind of going rogue here on uh, kind of the fisherman's handbook, and, and as you're breaking down some of the fundamentals on swim baiting, how does an angler determine to put the time in on a technique that at first glance can seem like it's a, such a small window of opportunity, right? You know, I get, yeah. I get the rewards, yep. but is there a yep. way yep. the weekend angler can incorporate this strategy and still find a hint of consistency? Absolutely. And it's start like how do you become a better i played hockey growing up how do you become a better hockey player or a better football player baseball player practice 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 your swing practice your pitching practice your slap shot so what i did growing up and i've got pictures of this is man i used to fish you know when i was a teenager 12 13 14 years old get off school and go out there in my little kick boat i would bring one rod okay i knew you know we've got great swim bait fisheries in northern california i mean i left the jigs at home i left the senkos at home i know i could get bit on that stuff but in order to work on a particular technique especially swim bait fishing and i remember going out there with a flipping stick 25 pound test monofilament line and a huddleston swim bait eight inch nine inch ten inch swim bait and only through you know one rod one reel one bait all day long and i forced myself to learn that so for the weekend guy to learn swim baiting or you know anything else i really encourage those guys to just empty your boat out it's as crazy as it sounds and force yourself to learn that particular technique and you know then you'll start to see those little nuances you know those main lake points those main current swings that main looking tree that hangs over the middle of the channel and i talk about this in seminars all the time not only you know only bring one swim bait rod out there but my biggest tip i could give you swim bait fishing whether it be a six inch mag draft or an eight inch mag draft or a big giant huddle spin or a glide bait this is it man fish the most obvious piece of structure the most obvious piece of cover on your lake and yes everyone fishes that single dock on that lake or that single main point or that single lay down that's just perfect pre-spawn looking yes everyone fishes it with a spinnerbait crankbait jig but no one throws this huge piece of fake rubber plastic <laughs> you know that appeals to those larger fish you know we're talking about fish that have been around 10 12 13 14 years and that grow you know over the years because they're smart fish so when you try to fool something you know a fish like that it's got to be the right presentation it's got to be on those very very obvious looking spots and you can go in behind guys throwing a crankbait because that big one has seen a million crankbaits so when you throw in something different like a big big piece of rubber fish man when they bite it oh you you could win by a lot I love it. Chris, this is a great topic of conversation. We're going to keep talking about swim baits, but we're going to power pull down, take a quick break. Bass Edge Radio will return in a few moments. Patented in 2000, perfected over years of testing and real-world punishment, the Power Pole is the ultimate shallow-water boat positioning tool. Swift. 
Power Pole deploys in seconds from anywhere in your boat. Virtually silent, Power Pole won't spook wary fish. Secure in strong current or gusting winds in up to eight feet of water. Engineered to take it with a lifetime unconditional replacement guarantee on the spike. Power Pole, swift, silent, secure. Visit PowerPole.com to find a dealer near you. Bassheads brought to you in part by Mercury Marine returns with BASS elite angler Chris Zaldane in the Lucas Oil Angler Spotlight. Don't forget to visit the BassHeads.com store for free shipping on all Lucas products. It works. Chris, I got to say, you know, continuing the swim bait conversation, when I was five was hot, you know, I moved here in 2008, um, I could pick up my favorite swim bait. Yeah. It's not really like that in most fisheries around the country. And, and we're right. appealing to all types of fishermen all throughout the country here at Bass Edge Radio. It seems the more we see and use swim baiting as a tournament technique, in some circumstances we find out really we don't understand them completely. We're still learning about yeah. them. We, we've seen, you know, you go back to, like you said previously, your Clear Lake days when you were growing up. We've seen the Elite Series really blow up the bass tricks, you know, back yeah. in the day. Oh, yeah. Clear Lake went rogue and Kennedy, you know, set a new yeah. record. Steve Kennedy from the yeah. Elite Series set a new record over there at Clear Lake. And, yeah. and, and that really kind of, I think, set more swim bait fishing into a general tournament experience, although yeah. it's... I feel like it's still been a little bit slow to catch on other than, you know, some of the paddle tail baits and that kind of stuff is very yep. popular now, but really yep. moving into these bigger baits like your mag draft you're talking about that Off-ray, you have a yeah, exactly. yep. all yep. those types yep. of things. I feel like that, you know, we're still trying to really understand how to best utilize these types of techniques and this specific larger you know, swim bait technique to bring out the best of our tournament preparation, tactics, and strategies. You know, with prevailing conditions, baits produce at a certain times of behavioral patterns. With your experiences, what are some of the no-fail situations that you can help a Bass Edge listener experience so that they can start really, you know, one, get a few bites? Because that's how yeah. it all starts, right? Yeah, you know, oh, I see the light here. I yep. see the light here. Yeah. What can you express to us that are some of the experiences of no-fail situations that, hey, man, tie it on in this situation, begin your journey here? Yep, yep. that's good insight and a good question, Kurt. And, you know, most tournament fishermen or the weekend guy but i will say the most tournament fishermen love to catch them a limit and then go for the big one you'll hear a lot of times on the elite series flw tour you'll hear a guy say i'm just gonna get five in the boat relax and then go for a big one the way i do it and i i've been throwing swim base you know 20 years now you know depending on the lake it's so important uh, to match the hatch it, it, that really is if you go to a trout lake you're going to want to throw the most realistic trout looking swim baits you have gizzard shad lake i love that mag draft um, so matching the hatches is very, very important. But I personally, I've been doing it a long time, but man, I could go out on tournament days and only throw away swim bait because I have the utmost confidence in it. But it only takes literally, and I've had people come up to me all the time, dude, I got this giant eight pound, nine pound fish on the mag draft you told me to throw. Now I've got the utmost confidence in it. It is not a bait that you're going to go out and catch a hundred fish on a day or, you know, or even 10 fish on a day. It is absolutely a big fish technique. So with that mindset of, okay, it's totally okay to go out and catch a limit first and then go head hunting for those, you know, one or two, three bites. You know, you look in a live well, it's noon and you've got 12, 13 pounds, you know, everyone's got 12, 13 pounds. How do you set yourself apart from the rest of the crowd? Well, from 12 o'clock to 3 o'clock till the time you check in, if you put a swim bait in your hand and if you get a bite, if you throw it on the most obvious piece of cover and you swim it uphill and you fish a windblown main lake point and you get that bite, and uh, trust me, they are always the most vicious strikes you'll ever get uh, with a rod and reel. And that bite and that magic happens man and all of a sudden you went from 12 13 pounds up to 16 17 sometimes 20 pounds that's how you start to get confidence in it so i encourage people during practice you know or just weekend fishing or whatever it might be just pick it up throw it exactly where you throw a spinner bait i mean a six inch mag draft is big to some people but to me that's just kind of a this a medium-sized swim bait the eight inch version of the big kahuna tournaments uh, wise but all it is kurt and bass edge listeners it is your three eighths or half ounce spinner bait and you throw it exactly where any swim bait throw it exactly where you would throw that three eighths or half ounce spinner bait chuck it up there 
slow wind it out to swim bait. Let it swim just out of sight. You know, the old school Jimmy Houston, you know, rule of spinnerbait fishing. Cast it out there, you know, wind it down till it's just out of sight and just start cranking it back. And when they smoke it, they get it good. It does not take long to gain confidence in it when they eat it that hard. Quickly along those same lines, you know, kind of reevaluating as far as are there conditions, you know, or types of presentations that we should avoid? And then the second part following up to what you just answered, when you say throw it where any place where you would a spinnerbait, what about the dangling uh-huh. hook? You know, kind of with, I am familiar yep. with yep. The, the mag draft, you know, that it has yep. the barrel swivel sure. that hangs down off the belly. Talk to yep. us briefly about that, if you would. Yeah, absolutely. To answer that question, the dangling hook, it's got a treble hook down at the bottom. Wherever you throw a spinnerbait around wood, you start to get get a feel for it, you know, almost like a swim jig fishing or, you know, just spinnerbait fishing. You get a feel for it. You just kind of know, you know, you see this beautiful lay down in the water and you cast that swim bait over there. You get a feel to where, how fast it sinks, how fast it rises when you reel it in. That's when you really get in-depth, advanced swim bait fishing is when you can work it around those areas and maneuver it around underwater obstacles that you know are there. The closer you get it to that cover, the better off you are. So just over time, you'll get a feel for it. Keep it off the cover, but very near it. That is a thing that I I don't struggle with it, but that's one of the things I, I, I keep in mind when I'm swim bait fishing. Keep it right near that structure, cover, rocks, whatever it might be, but try not to hang it. And a quick tip on that mag craft or any treble hook bait, swim bait out there. Man, you know, you take that treble hook, and this is a really good tip of mine, is, is you take one of the hooks, you bend it completely out, 90 degrees to the shank, completely out, 90 degrees, and then the other two remaining hooks, grab your pliers and pinch them closer together, almost like a frog hook, and then grab that bent out hook, and that's 90 degrees, and stick it up the belly of the bait and it actually holds up there a whole lot better. And then down on the business end, you got those two frog hook points that are closer together. And man, I hardly lose any. So man, that's, that's um, but brilliant. Far, yep. So, and then just real quick to answer your question, perfect scenario, you know, five to six foot visibility, sun and wind. So a little bit of clarity mixed with sun and five to 10 mile an hour wind, main lake points, main lake structure. And that is a great place to start for swim bait fishing. Awesome. You've got a full season to continue unraveling more mysteries about swim baiting and, and uh, showing everybody some giant bags with, with, uh, with your confidence bait, using it in specifically in tournament competition. Yeah. You seen the next couple of events on the Elite Series lining up? Yep. You got Hartwell. Yeah. Hartwell uh, could be that swim bait uh-huh. deal. And, and then you got Winya Bay back-to-back. What, what's your thought process moving into the next couple of Elite Series events here over the next few weeks? Yeah, next couple of weeks. Man, I'll tell you what, over the last six years on tour, eight years on tour, I've been on tour. Every March and April, I'm looking for a swim bait bite because still, it still hasn't really caught on to the to the Elite Series anglers. Just I feel like I've got a lot of confidence in it. So any March, April, May going into the uh, shad spawn, I'm going to throw some type of swim bait just because it's different. Love being different. feel like I can go behind guys. At Lake Hartwell, Matter of fact, the last time they were there for the Classic, I, I did a media day afterwards. I caught a six-pounder on a six-inch mag draft. You know, it's a, so I've got a lot of confidence in, the, in that thing. And just to, you know, slow roll it by those docks, you know. And, and another tip I got for it, it just popped up in my head, whenever you're fishing a swim bait around docks, instead of positioning your boat off the end of the dock and casting to the bank and reeling it out like 100% of the people do, I love going to the bank right where that walkway is, taking that swim bait, casting it parallel to the dock, but out towards the middle of the lake, letting it fall for a little bit, and then swimming it uphill. And this does two things. It presents the bait in the most natural manner, coming from deep to shallow, and it's just a different angle that a lot of fish don't see. You know, most people just cast to the bank and reel out. So when you do those little changes mixed with a little bit of a profile change, you can really, really win by a lot. So Winyah Bay, I'm looking forward to that one right after Hartwell as well. I think I had a top six there the last time we were there. I was fishing around the winter and also second place. So I, I, I think the long run over there to the Cooper River, I get to run my boat through some brackish water right, and all that. Right. But, uh, but we will be, it's a good chatterbait, spinnerbait type place and, and that swimbait will play hey chris awesome. quickly what awesome. was um what was your favorite all-around color on the swim bait favorite all-around color man it's hard to beat just your white mega bass has the color white back shad and i'm going to use that color from like 
five foot to clearer visibility. That's more of a translucent. That's a white so back shad. Is that the shad. same one you use at Kentucky Lake? Yes, it is. Yeah, white okay. back shad at Kentucky Lake. Yeah. So white back, clear body, real translucent, real natural color. The one I used at the Classic was just a nice albino color, just kind of like a pearl albino. And that works from, believe it or not, one foot visibility to, you know, four to five foot visibility. And they really liked it in Knoxville. Matter of fact, guys, I'm, I'm taking this call from Lake Fork here. You know, here we are end of March, early April here, and I'm looking at the watercolor. Watercolor is real bad. It's a foot and a half, two foot visibility, but I will still start with that MagGraph because of that tail wiggle and head wiggle. They could feel it, they could see it, and they'll smoke it. I like it. I like it. Okay, we're going to go to our listener question segment brought to us by Nitro Performance Fast Boats. We've got a question. It's an interesting question from Austin Tinsman. Austin says, I've been fishing since I was little, but I've never gotten into offshore fishing. Yeah. What kind of contours and structure should I look for during pre-spawn, and what baits are best for that situation? It's a great question, Austin. And, man, I'll tell you, the easiest way to learn offshore fishing, and trust me, I'm from California where we didn't do a lot of it. We just did a lot of main lake point fishing. But offshore, getting off the bank, it really all starts with your mapping card. You really don't even need sonar or side imaging or down. It's great to have all that stuff. I've got all the hummingbird stuff, great stuff. But man, I really feel like I could get a bite on any lake I go to just by looking at my mapping card. And what you want to do for pre-spawn, Austin, is go to your, you know, popular spawning coves. Go to your popular, the most popular spawning coves. You know where they're going to spawn. And instead of working the bank going towards the back of that cove, look for just little subtle humps or underwater points like in the middle of the cove more towards the mouth more towards the main channel and any sloping point with a drop i'm going to look for those tight contour lines any tight contour lines leading into those spawning coves is a great uh, place for fish to hang out before they spawn whether it be four to six foot and a drop you know to 10 or 12 or even out there in 20, 30 feet of water with a nasty, you know, drop into 40 feet of water, depending on the lake you're fishing. But, yeah, just find those spawning coves, go to the mouth of it, and any point or hump at the mouth of that spawning cove with a drop, tight contour lines, is a great pre-spawn offshore area. And once you get a couple bites offshore, you can duplicate that, and you get more confidence, and you can start working your way out towards the main lake, especially after the spawn. Great stuff there, Chris. Thanks for answering that question. And, Austin, we uh, do need a bit of information from you. Please let us know. Contact us through our social media outlets or send us an email, support at BassEdge.com, or certainly log on to BassEdge.com. Click on the Claim Your Prize segment and let us know that you heard Chris answer your question on this episode. As always, Bass Edge listeners, to have a shot at winning another gift from Bass Edge Radio in the next following months, keep firing us those listener questions. We'd love to see them all. We'll get as many as we can here on the show. And you can send those in again through our social media platforms, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, or shoot us an email, support at BassEdge.com. Well, Chris, as always, uh, we appreciate you being with us once again here on Bass Edge Radio. Any final thoughts as we begin to shut down? Oh, you guys, I really appreciate it. just want to say you guys are a class act and very professional. For those who don't know, you know, Kurt and Aaron, they send a, a two-page email before these interviews, and they line out all the questions and everything and just very professional one of the best uh best radio shows i've ever been a part of so thank you guys and to follow along the 2019 bassmaster elite series season we've got a lot of cool stuff bass has really stepped it up this year to showcase their anglers and i'm just really looking forward to a, a solid season follow me on instagram you know facebook and twitter chris Valdane, and uh we will see you guys on the water you bet chris before we let you go i'm gonna send you off with our final segment four last questions for you sure uh, I hope this isn't redundant, but they got a lot of great lures. What's your favorite mega bass lure? Oh, my favorite all-time mega bass lure is going to be a swim bait, but it's going to be a finesse swim bait. I'm going to say, you know, the Vision 110, of course, is a kind of a default answer, but I really love a three-inch spark shad swim bait. I feel like I could throw that little three-inch spark shad on a, either an Okashira screw head or just a regular ball head and catch smallmouth bass, largemouth bass, or spotted bass any time of year. It's just a good finesse 
finesse approach. It's a different profile. You know, the Kitech fishing the swim baits, you know, that got real popular for a while. Yep. But the, the three inch spark shad, man, it's just got a different subtle tail wag to it and it drives fish nuts. There you go. What is the last picture you took with your phone? <laughs> my dog, my little dog, Nebo. Hey, Kurt, you know, you know you've met Nebo. Matter of fact, you were there when we both well. Yeah. Yeah, my little rat terrier, Nebo. He's a good boy. And uh, we trait and that. We take pictures of him all the time, sending him a gesture. I think every dog owner does. Yeah, I think so. I think you're right. All right. So we're, we're approaching the uh, beginning of April here. Uh, Final Four's coming up. What's your preference, March Madness or College Football Bowl Championship? Oh, dude, I grew up in California. I don't follow either. Like I said, I, I was either fishing or playing <laughs> hockey, but usually around this time, March Madness, April, I mean, I, you'll find me on the lake either sight fishing or throwing big swim baits. <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. And the best of two lakes, Grapevine or Louisville? Oh, good question. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say, wow, Louisville got bigger ones, grapevine. You could catch smallmouth. Let's go with grapevine. It's uh, a little more to offer. All right, there you go for all you Fort Worth anglers. Go yeah. get a grapevine. That's Chris's go-to over there. Yeah. Hey, Chris, thanks so much for taking time to spend with the interview. Congratulations on a good classic performance. Wishing you the best of luck the rest of the 2019 BASS Elite Series season. Bass Edge Radio will return in a moment. Thanks, guys. You know the importance of protecting your investments. So why use anything else other than the original and toughest DIY keel protector for your boat? MegaWare Keel Guard. Grinding sand, abrasive rocks, and concrete ramps are no match for our exclusive contoured edge and patented technology. MegaWare Keel Guard keel protectors are made tough and made to stick. Their do-it-yourself installation takes less than an hour, providing the longest-lasting, most dependable keel protection for your boat, guaranteed for life. Developed specifically by boat builders, offering the best keel protection in the industry. Also for MegaWare Keel Guard, Skeg Guard, FlexStep Pro, and Pontoon Guard. So give your boat the performance edge. Put on the protection the pros pick. MegaWare Keel Guard. Kurt, I'm not sure we could have packed much more information and excitement into that episode. I was really excited to set up this show, Aaron. You know, being that I, I know Ott really well, I know Chris really well. We kind of had a perfect storm brewing as Ott wins the event and Chris slams a giant bag. It's awesome to see both ways. The, the first thing I want to mention about the Ott interview and close here is even as we discuss this today, there's never really a negative thought that entered his mind. You know, we talk about Jay, psychology of professional fishing and, and performance and the mental, as you always say, Aaron. Aaron, warfare that, that we go through. And Ott had that challenge on day two. He had the challenge, but he doesn't look at, well, I had this much lead, but now I'm this much behind. All he does is think, I'm still here. I'm still in it. I have the ability to make this happen. Sure, it didn't go well today, and it did not go as planned at all. He never expected to catch 10 pounds. Um, he probably, if you tell him he catches 10 pounds one day of the Classic, he, he tells you he doesn't win the Classic the week prior to the event. But it's the whole aspect, right? I mean, you know, the text from his wife, you know, hey, we're in a good place. Just go do your thing. So he goes to what he believes is the best place in his mind, not only fishing spots and all that kind of stuff and use all the information available with the poche intervention and all those types of things. But it's just, you know, hey, I'm, I'm going fishing. I'm going to try to catch the biggest bag I can catch. And it's going to be what it's going to be. I'm not going to worry about it. I'm not going to have negative thoughts. I'm not going to think about why I didn't do this or didn't do that. Today's a new day. Today's a new possibility. Let's go see where we can take today's possibilities to achieve the biggest success that's possible. So yeah. um, awesome stuff with that, man. No doubt. And, you know, when I look at that scenario and how the classic played out for him, it wasn't just one thing, right? It was a culmination of several things that kind of just lined up. And right. uh, again, going back to, you know, what she had said, his, his wife had said about Hey, I've got peace about this. I don't know if you're going to win, but having that kind of as um, in your huddle, I guess, if you will, to talk you off the ledge or just to maybe, yeah. <laughs> maybe uh, you know, bring about some calmness. And of course, you know, you had mentioned Dr. Jay McNamara's psychology of exceptional fishing. You're going to hear yeah. us continue to talk about it because the mental space is um, it's a vast area. You know, Kurt, you and I yeah. joke about it all the time. We try not to go there alone. Our, our minds are a dangerous place. So That's anyway, right. it's just an interesting 
uh, study, I guess, Kurt, on the mental as well as the fundamental side. Yeah, yeah, there's no question. And, you know, back to bring up all the things we discussed with the Zaldane portion of this show, you know, Chris bust the big bag, the swim bait play, right? I mean, you hear about swim baits kind of started, you know, the SoCal deal in the California, which is where Chris is from. And we kind of mentioned that in the discussion, but really the bigger swim bait in tournament fishing, I think, you know, still a lot to be learned and understood. We've seen it with, you know, as we mentioned, the Carl Jockamson situation with the open championship last year at Table Rock. We see, you know, guys like Polnick like to throw it and kind of they have this this little deal. We've seen, you know, Velvet do well with big swim baits, you know, in the past. You know, Brian Velvet won some events in the Elite Series. But, you know, all of those things are conditional elements, and I feel like we're still really learning how to bust those giant bags and events that those swim baits can provide, yet at the same time, minimize the risks of uh, holding that bait for such a long time in an event. We know the rewards that it can reap, but at the same time, we've seen both sides of it. So I feel like swim bait fishing, especially the bigger swim bait fishing, we still have a lot to learn in how to include this in tournament fishing tactics, not to be, you know, kind of that hero. I don't want to say hero or zero, but kind of that risk versus reward scenario. So uh, it's a touchy game, but it's an interesting, fun time topic to discuss as we have today with Chris. And man, I, I think all of Bass Edge Nation can take a lot of these tips that we learned today and, and try to implement those things into their own fishing platforms. Yeah, well said, well said. And certainly, hey, we've actually exceeded our usual time frame. We do appreciate everybody's yeah. attention. Hopefully, Bass Edge Nation found this helpful. You know, Kurt, you and I certainly had a very fun time and very educational time uh, listening to Ott and Chris. But in the meantime, be sure, visit the Bass edge.com store where you can find uh, Dr. J. McNamara's book, The Psychology of Exceptional Fishing. Plus, you can pick up uh, several of the uh, DVD sets for about a uh, Starbucks cup of coffee. So there you have it and there you are. But until next time, we will be episode 302 on tax day, April 15th. Don't forget to file those. For Kurt Dove, I am Aaron Martin and the rest of the Bass Edge crew. We wish you a happy and successful time on the water for the next two weeks. In the meantime, we will see you April 15th right here Bass Edge Radio. The Edge is presented by MegaWare Keelguard. For more information on Bass Edge or to shop at the Bass Edge online store, visit BassEdge.com. And be sure to join Kurt Dove and Aaron Martin right here on another episode of The Edge. Brought to you in part by Nitro Boats, Lucas Oil, ProtectTheHarvest.com, Mercury Marine, Lowrance Electronics, PowerPole, and Rapaholic.com. 